Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful to be in a spirit-filled church. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 If you want a copy of this, we'll get some made. If you don't, it's fine. I've never had anything like that happen to me. Um, and I surely felt the Lord in it this morning. and I pray that it encouraged you in some manner. As you see a fallen away, you'll see a fallen in place. Thank you, Brother Russell and Sister Ariana for just obeying God and all of you that have obeyed the Lord. You know, probably a lot of times you read something like that, you could reject it and the gifts never operate. You know, honestly, it happens a lot. So, so two things very overwhelmingly. I just, uh, two of this word, I feel like two prophetic things just came to me today. I feel like this word is too. Um, I know it's 713 and uh, Caitlin said, I'm standing in the baptistry with hands lifted up. <laughs> Amen. And so I, I want to give this to you because I think tonight matters. I just think tonight matters. Amen. Judges chapter 3. Um. And again, this message was passed around way back, not this message, but a guy by the name of Damon Thompson preached on Ehud one time. I'm not preaching Damon Thompson. <laughs> Amen. I encourage you to look it up. It's a great word. Amen. So I'm not Kent Christmas and I'm not Damon Thompson. Okay. So don't compare me to either one of those two men. And so we're just at GFCC and Gritney. Amen. And so thank God we are. Amen. Because I bet they didn't have what we just had. Amen, them two messages, that message in tongues right there. Thank you, Russell, for just obeying God with boldness. With boldness. That's the way we should operate, is in boldness. Amen. The, the, did you notice that the message was bold and the interpretation was bold? Amen. I mean, that was just the will of God. Amen. So I'm going to read Judges chapter 3. Um, we'll start in verses 12. And I'll, I'll read to verses 30. Um, and I just, I believe that, that I'm not a theologian, so I don't know a lot. Uh, I'm not a prophet. But I believe that God's word, if it is a now word and God speaks, then that is a prophetic word. Amen. And so um, that's, I believe, where we are. And I think, you know, Brother Daryl Turner preached um, last year, he said that the Samuels would be awakened and that the end times would be transformed and changed through prophetic preaching. And I believe he said in his 40-something years of ministry that he's never preached on the prophetic, you know, because I, for the most part, I guess he thought it was pathetic, you know. He never said that, but he said, you know, he just never went there. But now the Lord revealed to him that the young Samuels would be awakened and they would be prophetic preaching. Amen. And so I just believe prophetic preaching gives us 
insight to the now and where we're headed. Amen. It gives us encouragement and strength. And so I just want to um, speak to you tonight just out of this story here. Judges chapter 3. We'll start in verses 12. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek. And he went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, a man, left-handed. And by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. But Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges and a cubit length, and he did gird it under the raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, the king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. And when, when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries that were in Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him and was sitting in a summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat, and Ehud put forth his left hand, and he took the dagger from his right thigh, and he thrust it into his belly. And the shaft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade, so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly, and the dirt came out. Somebody say a lot of dirt's about to come out. <laughs> oh, if they only knew. <laughs> Oh, if they only knew what the Word of God told us a long time ago. Here's the thing. When you see a man that is fat, you look at their natural condition, and you can look to their spiritual condition. So a fat man would be a fleshly man in the spiritual. And so fleshly people are about to be emptied out of a lot of dirt. Amen? I hope that didn't go over your head. <laughs> then Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them. When he was gone out, his servants came, and when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked, they said, Surely he covereth his feet in the summer chamber. And they tarried till they were ashamed, and behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor, therefore took a key and opened them, and behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. And Ehud escaped while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped unto Sarath. And it came to pass when he was come that he blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. The children of Israel went down with him from the mount and before him. And he said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him, and they took the fords of Jordan 
toward Moab, and he suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew of Moab at that time about 10,000 men, all lusty, all men of valor, and there escaped not a man. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest fourscore years. That's 80 years. So I just titled my message tonight from 18 to 80. They went from 18 years of bondage and slavery to 80 years of victory and revival. So church, hold on. Revival's here. Amen. Jesus, I just thank you for your word. You do not lie. And Lord, you're a God of all truth. I ask for your anointing. I ask for your grace. We ask for your help and your spirit to be among us tonight as it already is. So wonderful, so powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. 18 to 80, we read here in verse 12, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and he went and he smote Israel and possessed the city of the palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Now I haven't turned the television on today. I don't really know what all's going on, but I know we got a new president. And our responsibility is to pray for who's in office, according to the word. That's our responsibility. But could it be, could it be that what has taken place right before our very eyes is because just like the children of Israel, a type of the church has done evil in the eyes of the Lord. Could it be that judgment has come? That judgment has come. And so what? We didn't stand up and we didn't do what God has been pricking our hearts to do and repent as a church. Where does judgment begin? Not as Americans, but as blood-washed people of God. But we play church. We played games with God. And so judgment starts at the house of the Lord. So many people call themselves Christians. The preacher said it today. He said, but you surely wouldn't know that they were Christians. He said, a lot of people call themselves Christians, but you wouldn't know it by how they act. And I said, well, he just dropped that bomb at this funeral, but he was right on, amen. I said, my God, this man's preaching the house now. But that is what goes on, and that is what takes place. And I believe that God is tired of it, amen. God's not tired of hard-headed people, but God's tired of us playing games in his house, amen. He said that his house would be a house of prayer, amen. It would be that. It wouldn't only be, no, it would be known as a house of prayer, a place where we would seek the face of God. But we've gotten away from that, amen. It's become a place instead of praying, it's become a place of playing. And we play a lot of games. We, we act one way, but we live like another, amen. We want to put Christian on her Facebook, but if you really dig a little bit, it looks like the devil's there. Amen? I'm telling you, it's no different. God began to strengthen even, the, he began to strengthen the wicked king against them. Why? There was a plan and a purpose. What was that plan and that purpose? To bring them to their knees where they would cry out to God. 
God's intentional with everything that he does. And every move that God makes is in love. Even when he brings judgment, he allows judgment in love and even in grace. Can you say, come on, somebody? Amen. Every move that God makes is out of love, even his judgment. Amen. He's doing it in love. Why? Because he does love us. And sometimes he has to push that judgment. Why? To bring us to a place of repentance so that we would quit playing games. Amen. But listen to this. The first thing that I want to tell you is the church is so divided. The church is divided. We're divided by what signs on the front door. We're divided by what sign is out in front of the church. There are people in my life that won't even look my way because I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Amen. People have written me letters at this church and said this. This was the exact words from the president of the Holmes Baptist Association at that time. If you accept and approve Jared Jenkins to be your pastor, you are no longer allowed to be in the Holmes Baptist Association. Sincerely, you don't even want to know his name. Oh, because many of you know it well. Amen. He had great influence in this community. His family had great influence in this community, but they wouldn't even look my way because I received something that the Word says that we should receive and is a gift of the Father. Amen. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, he told them, he said, wait and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Amen. I can tell you one thing because I've been destroyed by religion. It makes me sick to my stomach. Amen. And so I love it whenever God begins to break down denominational barriers. I can tell you I can't stand when somebody looks at somebody else because of the color of their skin. I can tell you we've lost people in this church. You've heard me say it and you'll hear me say it a thousand more times if you keep coming here. Amen. Because we go witness to people that are blind. We've lost church members because of that. Because we had a black man on the platform leading worship and we go to and we go preach in other countries where black people are. Amen. I can't stand that. I said the church is so divided. Amen. But I've seen God move even the last two weeks. Two pastors that I didn't really see eye to eye with for whatever reason. I've seen God put me in the position to look both them men dead in the eyes. Amen. And it wasn't their responsibility to get right. Amen. But it was mine. Amen. Can I tell you that that's what God will do? And I thank God that God is bringing unity in this hour. Amen. I talked to evangelists this this week. I asked him how it went at a certain church. He said, brother, all I can tell you, he said, I've been preaching in more Baptist churches lately, and it's Stephen McKay. He said, I'm as Pentecostal as they come. He said, but I've been preaching in more Baptist churches the last month. He said that I have Pentecostal churches. He said, God's breaking down denominational barriers. He said, the Holy Ghost of God is moving. Brother Michael preached at Gully Springs Baptist Church on the fire of God this week. He said, people were in the altar. He said, people 
people broken over the power of God. I'm telling you, God's moving in this hour. The church has become so divided. We've become so distracted by the division about what they do, how they sound, what it looks like, what it don't look like. Where do they do it my way? Do they do it this way? Do they do this? Do they do that? If they're not a part of my association, then we can't have anything to do with them. Well, let me tell you, I believe that it's going to be a scary day one day. A scary day. And all the time while the churches are divided, the enemy is unified. Listen to what he did. Listen to this. The Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek. Oh, yeah. You know the scripture, a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So what you see in the spiritual, in our kingdom, you have to also look at that in the devil's kingdom. So what did he do? He said, oh, no. He said, we're fixing to come against them. He said, so I'm going to join myself with three. Now listen to this. If you look back in the book of Genesis chapter 19, verse 37 and 38, I don't encourage you. You don't have to go there right now, but if you're taking notes, write that down. You will see that Moab and Ammon both were birthed out of incest. They were both birthed out of incest. You'll see of the days of Lot. And you see that there. They were both birthed in incest. And so what did they do? Listen to this. If it, this don't sound very familiar to, to you, and then they joined to Amalek. What does Amalek mean? They were a wild desert clan. They were the most bitter people and enemy to Israel. Mm, sound familiar? <laughs> sound familiar, somebody? Did not we just get an enemy to Israel? Huh? <laughs> Have we not had somebody that was for Israel? Have we not? Imagine the perversion that is now in office, the first transgender. I probably just got shut off Facebook. The first transgender in governmental office, does that not sound like wicked incest? <laughs> Oh, why is all this happening? Well, you kept doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. You kept doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. So what was bound to happen? Enemies against the church. Enemies against our God. Amalek, listen to this. Sound like a virus to you? The spirit of Amalek came and attacked the sick and the feeble. What does the coronavirus attack? Who's died from it? The weak, the sick, and the feeble. <laughs> you can't make this up. And I don't believe the Holy Ghost lies, does he? Man, I'm writing this down today and I'm thinking, my God, this sounds all too familiar. The weak, the feeble, and guess what it does? It comes from behind. How many of you know, man, I don't even know where this came from. Boom. They were okay yesterday and they're dead today. Who's dead? The weak and the feeble. Who was this agenda out on? The weak and the feeble. Let's take out this population. Let's take them out. Is that not what the enemy does? The enemy is going to join together. Amen? And that's what he did. The king of Moab went and got Ammon. Why? They were together. Amen? They were kin. 
You know that? They were there together whenever Moab, the, the father of Moab, the Moabites and the Ammonites were both birthed at the same time. Genesis 19, 37 and 38. I gave that to you. And Amalek came from behind. They were a wild desert clan. They were the most bitter enemy to Israel. And they, they, they attacked the sick and feeble and the weak. And they came from behind. Amen. Sounds like a strengthen of the enemy. Sounds like what we're facing with right now. Listen to this. And so they, <laughs> what the Bible go on to say? It says, and he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and he went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So I looked up, what is that city? That is Jericho. Not the Jericho that was destroyed, but all the surrounding around. <laughs> the very place that God told Joshua I would give to you if you'd put your foot there. Are you hearing me? Now, the very place God promised them and the first place of their possession where the walls came down, now their enemy's going to take that back. <laughs> Does that sound like what the enemy's trying to do right now to somebody's life? Every place that you gained ground where walls came down and you took possession of the promises of God and this was the first city that you conquered in the promised land and now your enemy is going to come and take possession of that back? It's time that we take back what the enemy took from us. It says that they took possession and possessed the city of palm trees. Amen? That one, one, one person said, you know, palm trees, Jericho. Um, it says not what was destroyed, but what belonged to Jericho. So everything surrounding there. Amen. We know that it was destroyed because they said don't take anything from here. But everything that touched that and surrounded Jericho became the enemies. Isn't that just what the enemy's trying to do right now? Trying to take back everything that was done over the last few years. The enemies, I mean, you, you get ready. You get ready. Hell's fixing to come against this church. Amen. But the Holy Ghost just told us keep our eyes on him. Amen. The Lord told us here. Even when the falling away happens, even when it's our family, when it's our friends, amen, we have to stay focused, amen? But listen to me, that, that's the bad part. We're fixing to get to the good stuff, amen? I said there is some good stuff, but we have to know that this is what's going on. I believe this, amen? You, you may not, again, you can throw it out the window because I don't claim to be a theologian and have all this together, amen? But I believe the Holy Ghost revealed this to me today. So listen, what is the answer? What is the purpose? Why did God allow this to happen? Here's what the Bible says, verse 14. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. 18 years is a long time to feel the oppression of all of this. Amen, that's a long time. Amen, that's a long time to feel this. But can I tell you, no matter who's in office the next four years, no matter who's there, no matter what pressure that we're about to feel, no matter what pressure comes down the line, can I tell you, the end result should be what verse 15 says, but. Somebody say, but. But when. Somebody say, but when. Grace Fellowship Christian Church cries to the Lord. Whew, the Lord himself will raise up a deliverer. Come on, somebody. I said the Lord himself. We'll raise up a deliverer, amen? We're gonna make this scripture personal right now. 
Amen. I said no matter what's taking place, the children of Israel for 18 years had felt this bondage. They had seen their land, Jericho, the land of the palm trees taken back. They felt the pressure of their enemy. But the Bible says, but when? The children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Then the Lord raised them up a deliverer, and his name was Ehud. Amen. Somebody needs to know there's a deliverer in the house tonight. Amen. I said there is a deliverer in the house tonight. Who is that deliverer? If you're here tonight and Jesus is in your life, I'm telling you the spirit on the inside of you is no different than Ehud was. I came to prophesy to this house tonight. I don't care what goes on the next four years or the next four hours or the next 40. I came to tell this church tonight there's a spirit living on the inside of you. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives within you. And just as Ehud was raised up after 18 years of bondage, God sent me to this house tonight to say, GFCC, there's a deliverer on the inside of you. And we've not scratched the service of what God is going to do in and through this house. Get ready, church. Get ready. But when GFCC will cry unto the Lord. But when. But when. That's right, Asher. It's a deliverer. Who is that crazy man? That's what I say, buddy. A deliverer, he said, but when? Mark that in your Bible, I'm fixing to you. Amen, you talk about an inauguration. <laughs> oh, Ehud showed up. Oh, Ehud. Oh, Ehud. That's what we're going we're gonna to start naming these children around here. Ehud. Amen. Oh, yeah. Ehud. Oh, yeah. Ehud right there. Y'all got Ehud? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. January 20th, 2021. Inauguration of Ehud. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Even Asher said, yeah. Listen to this. They needed a deliverer, didn't they? They needed somebody to deliver them. 18 years of bondage. Let me tell you, this world around us is fixing to close in. <laughs> It's fixing to close in. Amen, it's already begun. They're going to start looking for the real thing. They're, they're going to start looking for the real thing. What Don Norton say? They're not going to look to the limp-wristed. <laughs> Amen. They're not going to look to the limp-wristed. Amen. They're going to look for Ehuds. Amen. I said they're going to look for some Ehuds. Amen. They're going to look for somebody that does things a little bit different than what religion has taught them. I said, they're going to look to somebody that's doing things a little bit different than what religion taught them their whole life. Why are we in this position and the shape that we're in right now? Because there's been a ritual, not a relationship. There's been a ritual, not a relationship. We become so ritualistic in church that, man, we can't wait just to push them through there like cattle, turn it into a, to a denomination or association, tell them how many we got in our church, tell them how many we baptized, tell them how much money we got this month or this year. And we're in competition with everybody else in our district. <laughs> Who are you in competition with? That's division. And the enemy said, I got you right where I want you. 
If I can get you to compete to the neighbor next to the road, the church down the road, then I got you right where ain't no power flowing in that. I'm too busy trying to compete that I am flowing the Holy Ghost. Amen. How many, how many are we writing in telling we got baptized in the Holy Ghost? We don't record that, do we? No. That causes too much division because they lose control when that might happen. Amen. They might preach better than me. They might sing better than me if that Holy Ghost comes. Amen. They might pray better than me. Amen. God may use them more than me. Amen. I said there's got to be a deliverer that's raised up. I looked this word deliverer up. It means in the Hebrew, yasha, Y-A-S-H-A. It means to save, to be saved, to liberate, to be victorious, to save from moral troubles. I think we need saving from some moral troubles, don't we? <laughs> Amen. I think, I'm, not, I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, we justify and say, well, we're saving water and saving electricity bill. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm talking about saving from moral troubles. Amen. Getting back to the word of God, what's right and what's wrong. Amen. It means to preserve. It means to become open, wide, or free, to rescue or to bring salvation. Don't you want to be used as a deliverer for God? I desire to be deliver, uh, be used as a deliverer. Do you know that you can be that? Do you know that this church can be known as that? But here's the problem to be that. The third thing that I want to talk to you about is if we are going to be a deliverer, listen, you can't ask what it looks like. You can't ask what it sounds like. I mean, who is this deliverer? Ehud. Ehud. E-H-U-D. You wanted to deliver, you got him. Oh, Ehud showed up. Imagine inviting Ehud to the pulpit. Who's preaching for y'all Sunday? Ehud. What? Ehud. Where'd you get him? From the hood? Ehud? From the hood? Ehud. Who's Ehud? Ehud. He's a left-handed. Oh, you let a left-handed man? Huh. A left-handed man? What are you talking He's different. No, he's distinct. <laughs> he's distinct. Amen. God in this hour is going to move in a different way. He is going to call people that are, have a distinction about their lives. Listen to this. Ehud's name literally means to join together unity, unified, or one. So everything that was divided from verse 12 to verse 14 and the enemy binding together and there being three enemies joining together that are unified and the children of Israel all scattered out, probably all divided in all kind of ways. They need a deliverer raised up. Who's going to bring unity? Ehud is. Listen to me. Ehud is going to bring the change. Amen? Listen, he is distinct. The word distinct means to be recognizably different in nature from something else of a similar type. I don't, know if you, I don't know if that gets in your gut like it does mine. I'm going to read it. Amen again. The word distinct means to be recognizably different in nature from something else of a similar type. You mean somebody can go in the church down the road. I'm not talking about literally down the road, but I'm just talking about somewhere. You can walk into a church, and you may have done that before. You walk in that church, and you're just like, man, I don't know about that. I didn't really feel anything. But then you walk up in a house where, where the Holy Ghost is, 
and you feel the power of God and you say it's the same type, it's the similar situation, but something was different there. There was a, a distinct spirit in that house today. I heard a distinct sound in that, in that house today. What was it? It was the Holy Ghost, amen? I'm talking about a distinct people. I'm talking about a distinct church. I'm talking about being recognizably different in nature from everybody and everything else. I'm talking about shedding off Saul's armor and going to the valley and picking up five smooth stones. I'm talking about not doing what ritual or religion does. I'm not talking about hurrying up and getting out at 1230, 1.30, or even 3.30. I get in to get in. And when I get in, I'm not looking to get out. I'm talking about being recognizably different in nature from everything and everybody else. You see, Ehud was different. You see, Ehud was different. Ehud was a left-handed man in a right-handed generation. And it's all right to be different. People look to you to come at them with the right hand. Oh, but Ehud came with a different hand. He was a left-handed man. And just as this nation went left, today the church is going left. Hallelujah. Boy, that was weak. That was weak. I said, just as this nation went left today, so is the church. And Ehud's will be raised up. Ehud's will be raised up. Amen. He was distinct. Listen, if you won't, don't want to be recognizably different, you might need to find a different church. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Amen. Because I'm just believing God. Ain't no telling what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. I'm talking about crazy faith. I'm talking about when you see and hear the water raging and you want to get mad because somebody's about to put their foot in there and you're just not ready to put your foot in there. Because you don't know if it's the right time. I'm telling you, God's just fixing to move and you're going to have to step. I'm talking about the reaper and the sower back to back. Amen. I'm talking about things that's going to mess up your, my God. Whew. I'm talking about an agenda wreck and move. Amen. I said, I'm talking about an agenda wreck and move. I'm talking about a job wreck and move. Amen. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost of God moving and sweeping in this house and in this nation. Amen. I'm talking about God doing a new thing where you didn't think God could ever move or would ever move on behalf of you or your situation. Amen. It's going to be recognizably different. People are going to begin to talk about it. They've already talked about us thus far, but I don't believe we've heard anything yet. They're going to begin to say, my God, is that place a cult or what's going on? No, we're not a cult. We're just together. We're serving the kingdom of God. We've become unified. We've made up our mind to put our hand to the plow and we're not looking back. Well, why are you so different? Because God spoke to my spirit that we're not going to fall in with a right-handed people that a bunch of Ehuds are going to be raised up and we made it our mind that we're going to be distinctly different no matter what they do down the road, no matter what they do in the next day. God's called GFCC to be an Ehud generation and to do it the left-handed way. Why? Because this nation went left. So are we. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Distinct. Listen, that word distinct can also mean separate. How many of you know it's all right to be separate? only two out of 12 believed the land could be theirs. <laughs> you see, two men, two men believed 
what all 12 saw. Do you know it's all right to be distinct? No matter what the other 10 do. I said no matter what the other 10 do, it's okay to be distinct and to be different. <laughs> Amen. But the problem is, is we, we live in this comparison game so much that we think God's moving amongst the 10 because more are doing it that way. <laughs> and so boards run church by what we used to do. <laughs> and so we run board, we run churches. <laughs> what did Jeremy Prosca say? He said, he said, churches aren't run on boards and big wheels, <laughs> but run by the presence of God. Amen. We're blessed in this church. Amen, we're blessed in this church, amen. And we have been for several years now by great leadership, full of the Holy Ghost that lead the church with great direction. But here's going to be the agenda of the enemy to try to block us in. Well, it just don't make sense to do that. But if there's unity, and we know that it's different because God said, I'm raising up Ehud's. <laughs> you see, Ehud was a left-handed man. It's okay to be separate. It's okay, and it goes on, that word can mean also not the same. <laughs> How many of you know it's okay not to be the same and do the same that everybody else is doing? <laughs> I said it's okay to be distinct. It's okay not to compare yourself to what the ten are doing because only the two went in. So many times we get caught up in that comparison, and we look at what everybody else is doing. If you're not careful, you could be a part of the 200 innocent men that got taken away with Absalom. You could be. Their heart was pure and innocent. The Bible says 200 innocent men were just swept away with Absalom and they followed him. But there was the king right here. But David was loving enough. He said, it's not my throne anyway. Absalom, if you want it, then you take it. Well, there was 200 pure church people there. They just got swept up in the middle of it. Amen. You got to be careful who you listen to. You got to be careful. Just because somebody does something different, don't make them wrong. Now, I'm not talking about getting out there in the left field. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, you can be different being the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I said, you can be different being the Holy Ghost. Amen? I'm not talking about getting out there in the left field. I'm not talking about being weird and crazy. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. But I am talking about doing what Joshua and Caleb said. No, we saw the land. We carried the fruit. We believe it is a land that flows with milk and honey. And God's already told us that it was our land. And now give it to us. Amen. Caleb had his mind made up for all them years. He, he finally went back and said, now give me my mountain. That's what kind of faith I'm talking about. We're taking back our mountain. Amen. I said, we're taking back our mountains. Amen. We're going to do things a little bit different. I wonder if Caleb ever thought, well, where's Josh? Well, he's old in years, but he was still the same. He's ready to go. He said, I'm holding on to the promise. We got to hold on to the promises of God. Amen. So it's okay to be distinct. I'm going to read this again to be, because we're going to need this recognizably different in nature from something else of a similar type. Amen. Recognizably, that means people know you're different. Shouldn't they know we're different? We're too busy trying to blend in instead of standing out. It's okay to be recognizably different. Can I tell you just like sometimes as a pastor, you, you just... God's just been good to me for two weeks. He's put me in position where a lot of hurt that I had um, against the pastor, God just set me down right beside him. 
just right beside him. And I'm thankful for that. God knows what he's doing. And I was able to lean over to that man at his church and hug him and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been hurt. And I was able to tell him, nobody knows how I feel but me and God. And my pain's been very, very real for a long time. And I was able to go on and tell him that some people, a lot of people, that are at your church now. I felt like left even when I made the right pastoral decision. You know, sometimes you can make a right decision and people don't agree with it and they leave. But at the end of the day, you just have to know, Brother David, that you did right by God. You just did right by God. Don't make you right. You did right with what you felt in your heart in that moment by God to do. Can I just, you got just a second? I'd like to find different than this. One of these people that I know if wrongs would ever be right reached out to me Saturday and said, you're the only person I knew to talk to. And this person went on to just say, They called me for a hard decision. And her exact words were, we might not have always seen eye to eye, but I know I can come to you for sound biblical advice. And you'll tell me what that is. This person has moved on and has a great pastor. This person said, I lost service. Thank you. I will do what's right for Jesus. Y'all mean so much to me. Thank you for being real with me no matter what. And then later the next day, she just wrote and said, you mean much more than you realize. I've been battling. You've helped me through so much. And so there are relationships that you feel like you make the right pastoral decision for God, but you're still going to lose people, but don't mean that you've lost them. They may just move churches, and that's okay. And it was just proof that God said, I still trust you. And so listen to me. Some decisions that we make here may not always line up with everything that we think should be right in the flesh. And we even make wrong moves and wrong choices at times. But can we give grace when that is even done? Because God desires for us to be recognizably different. You know what my desire is? is that people are afraid just to show up to this church <laughs> because they know, Brother David, I can't be like Ananias and Sapphire and play games. Although my heart cries more than you would ever know many nights, God, why can't we have as many people as they do down the road? <laughs> You're not saying they're not preaching the truth because there's a lot of truth-preaching churches around here, phenomenal churches. But I just believe it's because God has called us to be different and distinct to be recognizably different where Pentecost is fully known. <laughs> where you may run and you may shout. And there's times that we do get out of order because the anointing is so strong in this house. 
And so be, be prepared. If you get out of order and, and, and the Holy Ghost, then guess what? We have to come to you to get things back in order. And that's okay too because the Bible says God is a God of order. Amen. And so you got to know this. The Holy Ghost will never move outside the bounds of this word. He'll never get outside of that. That river will never flow outside of this word. Never. Never. If you got a message in tongues, it will never overcome when somebody's preaching or somebody's singing. You have to wait. Amen. Everything that we do, because the Spirit is subject to the prophet. Amen. The Spirit is subject to the prophet. But God has called you and I to be distinctly different. Ehud was a different man. There was so much division. Listen to me. There was so much division. God needed a man by the name of Ehud, and his name literally means to join together unity or unified. His name means one. God needs somebody that won't stand for one place, won't stand for a denomination, but somebody that will stand for Jesus. And if we can stand on the side of Jesus, then can I tell you that unity will come. Unity will come. Amen. The fourth thing I want to give you tonight um, is he was different. How many of you can say it's okay to be different? Can you just tap yourself, give yourself high five, amen, and say it's okay to be different? Just tell yourself that. It's okay to be different. It is. Ehud was different. Here's what the Bible says. Ehud the son of Gera, a Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. You know, Benjamin was a right-handed man. How many of y'all know that? It means son of my right hand. Amen. You know, you know the story, whenever Rachel gave birth and she died, she named the boy Benoni, but the father named him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand or son of my strength. Amen. And so Ehud was a left-handed man, but a part of the Benjamin tribe. And so he was different. He was distinctly different. Amen. He was a left-handed man. Amen. And I believe that God is calling GFCC to be a left-handed church. Amen. I believe God's calling us to be a left-handed church and a right-handed church generation. He was different. But listen to what he done. The Bible says that God used him here, verse 16. But Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges. Can I tell you that it's okay as a church if we do things different than what you're used to? Can I tell you I believe God is going to do things different in this hour? Amen. I remember one thing that Damon Thompson said. He said, he said a lot of people when you go into a fight, they look for the right hook. But he said, whenever Ehud comes, he comes with a left hook. And he said, sometimes, he said, the enemy is so used to us coming with a right hand, he's not looking for the left hand. Amen. And so whenever the left-handed church comes, because we're different and we're distinct, can I tell you that God gives us victory. Amen. You see, the enemy thinks that we should always do things right-handedly. <laughs> Amen. Well, they, we should do things with routine like everybody else does. But what if? What if the Holy Ghost just sweeps in and our routine gets broke? <laughs> what if, what if the church begins to function with a left-handed spirit? 
What if? I know everybody else is divided and we talk about everybody and everybody else you talk to that are spirit-filled Christians. They're talking about every other church down the road because, boy, they went too long. And, boy, they, why, when's the last time somebody just felt uncomfortable about talking about your church around you? When's the last time that you shut somebody down or you told them, hey, come join me? <laughs> come join me. Amen? Come see what it's all about. Some people will just tell you, no, I ain't going over there. Well, you know why? I'd rather them just be honest about it because they know. They know what might happen. The Holy Ghost might get on them. It's okay to be left-handed in a right-handed generation. It's okay, and it don't make us demonic or different. I said it don't make us demonic or different. It just makes us what God is calling us to be, and that is different than what everybody else is doing. Amen? So listen, the Ehud was a left-handed man and he brought, and he began to make a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. Amen. He had that thing right here. He had it covered up on his right thigh. See, the enemy was looking for him to do it this way. But whenever Ehud came, it's okay to be different. It's okay to be different. Amen. I said it's okay to be different. Hallelujah. It's okay to be you. Amen. Verse 17, and he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. You got to be different to deal with the flesh. Religion kills fleshly people. Amen. But it's all right to be different. Amen. It's all right to be different. Amen. Listen to me. So he made him a sword. He made a dagger with two edges of a cubit length and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh and he brought the present to Eglon of Moab of, of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. Can I tell you, there's a lot of fleshly people that try to get in the way of you being different. <laughs> Flesh will try to try to put you in a box. Amen. It'll try to keep you right here. Don't do things that way. Don't do that. Don't do that. And here's the thing. It instills fear in a lot of people because here's what, here's what religious people do is they try to box you in and say, well, I've been in church for 55 years and we've never done things that way. <laughs> Can you say amen to that? Well, I've been in this kind of denomination or association. We've never done things that way. It's, it's ungodly if you do something that way. There's no way that that can be right. Get ready to hear these type things. What will you do when you hear that? I'm telling you what to do right now. Say, I'm distinct and I'm different. I'm tired of the division. I'm going to be an Ehud, and I'm going to be different. I'm going to stand out. Amen? Amen, Asher. Y'all still with me? I'm about to close. Who's playing tonight? Y'all can help me get out of here, Brother Russell. So here's this fat, fleshly man. And so Ehud's about to deal with him. And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal. And he said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him and was sitting in a summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of a seat. I believe our enemies are about to stand up. <laughs> what will we do when the enemy stands up? <laughs> will we run in fear? 
You see, when Eglin stood up, he was probably looking for the right hand. What will the church do? GFCC, what will we do when our enemy stands up? We know that we have a message from God. We have a message from God. And when the enemy stands up, will you turn and run in fear? Or will you use what God gave you to use? Will you use what God gave you to use? You made a dagger for a reason. What God's made for you, what God has given you is for a purpose. Amen? It's for a purpose. And so here's what the Bible says. And Ehud put forth his left hand, and he took the dagger from his right thigh, and he thrust it into his belly. And the shaft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly, and dirt came out. Can I tell you it's okay to do things different? And can I tell you tonight what this dagger is? It's the word of the Lord. The book of Hebrews says that the word of God is sharper than what? Any two-edged sword. What kind of sword did he make? Verse 16, him made him a dagger with two edges. And if you look up that word blade in the Hebrew, it can also mean fire. It can also mean a blaze. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if anything in the church If we need anything more than we've ever needed it in this hour, it's the Word of God. A two-edged sword. Can I just ask you tonight, how often are you reading your Bible? How often are you studying? Do you just do something on Facebook and read a five-minute devotion and think that's good enough? Do you have your two men two-minute men devotion in the morning. We study. And I'm not, you don't have to, if you're not a good, I'm not a good reader. I've never read this Bible front to back through like a lot of people. But I'll pray and say, God, what, what do you want me? Sometimes you can read one scripture and you can meditate on it for a week. How many of y'all know that? And that one scripture can be a two-edged sword that goes as deep as anything else in your life will. Because here's the thing, just like that dagger can mean the sword of the Spirit and fire, that sword will go in you like fire. We need a revival that's based on the Word of the Lord and the fire of the Holy Ghost. Not emotions, not charisma, not lights and smoke, not bands, not people, but the word of the Lord and the fire of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, that's the only two things that bring lasting change. Our kids don't need to learn how to play Nintendo 3 in the back. They don't need to learn how to play hopscotch. You know what they need? The word of the Lord poured into them and a good old-fashioned baptism of the fire of the Holy Ghost. Because what we put in them is an incorruptible seed. That word incorruptible means it can't be broken. It can't be taken. 33 kids at a Christian school is getting a seed invested in them that's incorruptible. It's incorruptible. 
No matter what you may see they're acting like right now, there's a seed that cannot be destroyed on the inside of them. When the sword of the Spirit goes in, it brings the dirt out. What does our church need? It needs the sword of the Spirit to go in so that the dirt will come out. What does the community of Carryville, Florida need? It needs a good old-fashioned sword of the Spirit filled with fire to go in the belly so that the dirt can come out. What does that dagger deal with? It deals with the flesh of man and woman. That's where we get mad and our feathers get ruffled when you start dealing with my flesh because we like it. I like all this dirt on the inside of me. Well, that's why the division's there because the dirt attracts division. The dirt is the devil. The dirt is that old nature. That's all this wicked king was filled with was dirt. Can you imagine the sword of the Spirit going in you and nothing but dirt coming out? No life but dirt. Dead dirt. Wicked dirt. Can I tell you that we need a revival? I believe we're going to see it in this generation where the dirt comes out. Where the dirt is about to be poured out. I'm okay if we start letting this dagger go in us in this altar and we have to bring dump trucks to get it out of the way. Dirt is coming out. Listen to me. Ehud killed that man. But Ehud went out victorious. Can I tell you when the dirt came out, when the dagger went in, the dirt came out, can I tell you the result of that was victory? Can I tell you the result of that was peace? Can I tell you the result of that was revival? Amen. That was the result of this deliverer being raised up right in their midst. 18 years they had been in bondage. 18 years. The last thing that I want to tell you tonight is because of this one man, Ehud, Not only did the dirt come out and the king die dead, but defeat was theirs. One man rose up and brought defeat for a whole nation. And I'm telling you, if you're here tonight, you can be the change and the deliverer for a whole nation. You may be here tonight and think your life doesn't matter. I bet Ehud thought that one day too. I'm nothing but a weirdo. I'm a left-handed man around all these right-handed people. But who did God raise up to deliver? Ehud. I'm telling you, there's some Ehuds in this house. I'm telling you, I'm okay if I show up tomorrow and y'all felt this in your spirit that we wasn't even GFCC anymore if we was the Ehud church. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Amen, we're the Ehud church. What church you go to, Ehud? <laughs> you want to come? No, I'm not going there. That's fine. Stay out. Amen. That'd keep a lot of people out. They think we're weird now. Wait till we put Ehud on top of the door. Where's that camp meeting at Ehud? Amen. Ehud. Yeah, Ehud. That's what I'm talking about, Ehud. Being different, John Wayne. Just Ehud. Just being different. What if that happened? Imagine what they thought. Imagine what that wicked king thought. When Ehud, who's Ehud? You're about to find out. Uh, you're about to find out he's got a gift. <laughs> he's got a gift to deliver. Some of you have some gift to deliver. 
You don't even know what you possess. But you have something to deliver. You have a gift. Who was the gift giver? God was. Deliver the gift that God gave you to deliver. GFCC, we have a gift to deliver. The wicked kings are going to stand up, but we're going to bring them down. We're going to bring them down. Don't you dare leave this church and not say that your life is worth nothing, because it is. You may have felt different your whole life. Praise God, because God's about to use your different. God's about to use your different in a good way. Amen. That defeat brought revival, joy, life, peace, and purpose. Not only that, but 80 years of it. How many of y'all are ready for revival? I'm talking about ready for revival. Revival starts with you and I being okay that if my name when I wake up tomorrow is Ehud, and if GFCC's name is Ehud, by George, we're going to see revival. Amen. We're going to see revival. Listen to this. As I close, I just believe I felt the unction of the Spirit. I'm not by any means saying that this is the type of the rapture. But as Ehud escaped while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped unto Sarah, listen to verse 27, and it came to pass when he was come that he blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mount and he before them. Could it be, could it be that Jesus knows before I blow the trumpet, before I blow the trumpet, Ehud's unity, one. My bride cannot be divided. There's too much division. There's too much backbiting. There's too many things going on within my bride that I can't blow the trumpet yet. And so God said, I've got to raise up some Ehud's that will bring unity that will deal with the wicked kings. And when we get out the other side of this revival, could it be that the trumpet of God will blow and the church, the children of Israel, will be joined to the rightful place, the bridegroom. Listen to this. And he said unto them, follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him and took the fords of Jordan. What was taken from them? The city of the palms, they're taken back. <laughs> Everything that was taken, they're taken back. Amen. The enemy lost toward Moab and suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew of Moab at that time about 10,000 men. Amen. 80 years of peace. Church, I'm telling you, God's raising up Ehud's in this hour. Left-handed people, different, distinct. This church will be different. It will be distinct. Can we be okay if that is what we're marked by? If that is what we're known by, can we be okay with that? Would you stand with me tonight? Thank you for bearing with me through so much tonight. I mean that. When I said a while ago about not looking for a way out once we look for a way in, I'm not talking about beating a dead horse and playing games. And I'm talking about being in the presence of God. I'm talking about an agenda-wrecking presence of God. 
where your life is messed up. That's why Jonah fled from the presence, because it was a gender wrecking. Go to Nineveh. No, I don't want to go to Nineveh. It was a gender wrecking. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to be in the presence of God. That's right, so you run from it. But I'm telling you, Jonah's are coming back. Nineveh's about to repent. People that don't know their right hand from their left hand are fixing to weep. God's about to move in ways that I think is going to blow our mind. And so if you're ready just to be an Ehud tonight, I want you to lift up your left hand. 